session 308 of Selling the Couch. I hope that you are doing well and having an awesome day. So today's podcast is actually uh, pretty special because this is with a licensed psychologist, Tom McDonough. Uh, Tom is out in San Francisco and Tom and I actually met on internship back in 2010, 2011 when we were in Nashville at Vandy. Tom mentioned this, but you know, he's He's part of, he's on the STC newsletter and kind of keeps up with me. And uh, he had reached out a couple of months ago and just sharing some of the things he was doing. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, it's so awesome. One, like all the things that you're doing. And specifically today, we're talking about how Tom was able to co-author a book in order to grow his practice. He actually has a group practice out in San Francisco and I know for me, like when I was in grad school or internship or postdoc, like I wasn't necessarily thinking like, oh my gosh, like I want to write a book or I want to launch a course. Or I was thinking like very confined to what I, what we, what I thought we could do with our clinical degrees. And it's just, I love having these conversations because there's just such an innovative and a different way to look at things. So Tom co-authored a book called The 101 Ways to Conquer Teen Anxiety. And it was actually um, picked up by, well, you'll, you'll, you'll hear this story, but it was actually, um, he went through a traditional publishing route as opposed to self-publishing. So today we're going to dive into a bunch of different things. One is what made Tom want to write a book and how did he decide to co-author the book versus like solo and then we get into kind of the structure and the format uh, and the challenges of like co-authoring. You know, how do you sort of delineate time? How do you figure out who does what? All of these kind of things. And then also, what are some of the things that you might just want to be aware of if you do go the traditional publishing route, especially when it comes to like marketing of the book, all of those kind of different things that I know that I was probably not even thinking about at all. So we'll get right to today's podcast conversation. Here is my conversation with Dr. Tom McDonough from goodtherapysf.com. Hey, Tom, welcome to Selling the Couch. Hey, Melvin, thanks for having me. Dude, <laughs> it's so funny. It's crazy, right? You, we were just talking about this right before we started. 10, 10 11 years now, right, since we were doing internship of Andy and we connected and man, it's one, I, I wanted to say this publicly, just how happy and proud I am of you. I mean, you've moved out to Cali, created a successful practice, you've niched, you've done all the things that private practice coaches say. And uh, it's just, I'm so proud of you, brother. Melvin, that is so sweet of you. Thank you very much. It's, it's really, for what it's worth, it's, I'm equally as impressed and so happy to be here talking to you. Just kind of one of those nice things we get to have a little bit of gratitude for in our lives here. So really happy to be here talking to you. Absolutely. And the thing is, and we were talking about this right when we started, right? I, I know for me, at least when I was in grad school, internship, postdoc, right? The last thing I'm thinking, I'm thinking, you know, psychologist, okay, I've got a couple of options here, therapy, assessment, supervision, teaching, I might be consulting, maybe if I got like real crazy here. But, you know, but you, I mean, we've done atypical things. You have written a book 
right? And specifically, it's the 101 ways to conquer teen anxiety. And I maybe we just wanted to start there. Like, what in the world made you want to write a book? (laughs) You know, there are parts where I asked myself the same question when I was writing it. (laughs) That's what I hear. It's it's quite a brutal process. Yeah. Well, you know, I got to admit, I got fortunate through parts of it. I didn't have to do as many hurdles, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But I think just kind of like that kind of why did I want to get in, you know, kind of try writing this book. I just felt the urge, kind of probably that same urge we all had going to grad school. You just kind of like, I think I got to I gotta do this. And even though I know it's going to be a little bit difficult and definitely a struggle at times, um, I know that this is something I want to give a shot. So it was just kind of always in the back of my mind. Even back in the day when I was in high school, I thought I wanted to be an English teacher. So I think I always had that kind of something in there where I was kind of curious about this. Yeah, I had no, I had no idea you had that sort of ambition even back then. That's so cool. And then I think what's really cool, right, about our profession is we get to use these clinical skills, but then in kind of unexpected ways, right? Like writing or, you know, you have YouTube videos, right? Like all of these different things. I just never actually thought that our skill set would, you know, be applicable in so many realms like that. Yeah, it is kind of one of those things when you're in school, you're so used to kind of the traditional formats. And so kind of seeing that, oh, there are these kind of other ways in different industries, you can really kind of get the message out there and, and try to be creative as with your talents. You know, there's a lot of opportunities out there. Yeah, absolutely. So you said you wanted to be an English, te- English teacher in high school, that the idea of writing a book has always been something that's had been sitting with you. Why did it make sense at the time you decided to, to write it? You know, I had been just far enough removed from licensing that I was interested in in getting back into the books a little bit. So I think that the real reason comes out here. <laughs> <laughs> and I was I, at the time I was working for uh, a private practice in San Francisco, and that was kind of going well. So I kind of was just looking around and thinking, okay, what's what's the next thing for me to kind of try and, and work on here? And fortunately for me. I guess there's a bit of a, I'm not sure how we want to start this, but I had already met my co-author. We were trying to do a different book that really wasn't going anywhere. And then this opportunity came to me unexpectedly. And that's really how this kind of process for this book came out. Wow. And was this the same co-author that you decided? Same co-author. Yeah. John Patrick Hatcher. Yeah. JP. That's so cool. And then was the first book related? Was it psychology related or? It it is. So it was psychology related, the same type of theme where you have a clinical perspective and kind of the more personal perspective, which is something we both really liked. And that was kind of why we initially collaborated. But the, the first book idea was really from JP's own experience. He had gone through a really bad breakup as an adult, and he was looking for material or books out there to kind of help him with that process, specifically for men. What he was finding was that all the breakup books were marketed towards women. So we were we, we had met through a mutual friend, and he said, "Hey, is this something you'd be interested in?" I've got a background in relationships and depression and anxiety. I thought, sure, yeah, this is a great opportunity, and we were trying to to get that process going. Yeah, that's so cool. Again, I imagine. There's like multiple layers to why something doesn't work out, right? But like looking back, why do you, what's your thought on like why that first book idea may not have worked out? 
you know, the, I think the really, there are probably many, many reasons, but the, one of the reasons that we heard from one of the uh, publishing houses was that they're kind of like, Hey, by the way, the reason why this book probably isn't going to get picked up by anybody is because it's, it has kind of a, a poor marketing background to it. They don't think that men are going to buy breakup books. So therefore they're not going to sell copies of them. Wow. That's so interesting, right? Like how, yeah, I was kind of a, one of those moments where you're like, oh, that's how, that's how it works. Okay. Yeah. And it's so hard because like in that example, right, it's something based on life experience. So it's not just like I'm writing some abstract kind of thing, right? So it's like you're putting your heart into that idea and that concept. And then to get that sort of feedback, like, hey, we got to look at numbers here. <laughs> and, you know, that's hard. Right, right. Yeah. And for anyone who, uh, I don't know if you've tried it yourself, have you ever put through like a kind of a book submission process? There's a packet. And one of the items in there is like, hey, like what type of audience or can you bring to the table? Like, do you have like a social following or anything like that? And then how marketable do you think this book idea is? It's, it's really an important item to, to kind of bring to the, if you've got kind of the traditional publishing route, it's something they care about a lot, understandably. Yeah, it's so fascinating. I imagine that this sort of post-pandemic world we live in, that has been highlighted, right? Just what sort of connections do you have? What sort of influence do you have? Like all of those kind of things, you know? Yeah, yeah, they really matter. Yeah. yeah. So what was the thought behind co-authoring it? Yeah, there's a couple, couple thoughts, but you know, I remember, and this is going to seem like I'm making this up, but it's not. We, and back in our Nashville days, Melvin, one of our... Uh, members from our cohort, we were talking about a case and, and all of us kind of interns were really like agreeing with it. And the supervisor that was kind of running, running the show was like, yeah, this makes sense to all you guys because you're all psychologists. You've been living and breathing this for the past five, six years. You're speaking a language that doesn't make sense to your client right now. Right? So that idea really... And that's always been a theme, I think, in a lot of feedback we get too. But I think making sure that you have somebody else is perspective that can complement yours, that makes your ideas really digestible and understandable to, to the other kind of non-psychology here. I just thought it was something I really cared about and I thought it'd be a really great idea. And that's kind of been our, that was our kind of initial goal from the beginning with me and JP. Yeah. And so JP has sort of a, uh, a background, but, and let me just clarify, and, but he's not like a licensed therapist, is that right? Or is he? Correct. He's not a licensed therapist. Yeah. So he has that sort of real world flavor to it then. Yeah. 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 He, so he kind of talks about his own kind of just mental health experiences uh, in a very kind of like humoristic kind of comedic way. That's, and we thought that was kind of a nice way to kind of talk about these things, especially for teenagers. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's cool though, that you, I mean, this is, there's this phrase, which I, I came across recently and I feel like I'm saying it all the time now, but like called the curse of knowledge. So the more you're in a field right? The more you become versed in, in just the terminology of it. And so it's really hard to take a step back and say, is this what like the average person would understand or, you know, say, right? Right, right. That's exactly it. You got to like take a step out and be like, all right, if, if I wasn't in this, how, how would I talk about this? Drop the, the, the lingo sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys are submitting to these like publishing houses, right? And again, I'm probably gonna ask a lot of really dumb questions, but how does this work even like in terms of like revenue share? Like, is it a 50-50 split? Like what, what, 
what happens with all? Yeah, that's a great. Yeah, we can get into it. No, not not a silly question at all. Well, so the the, the initial book idea that we were submitting, providing the book submission applications for with the like breakup for men never gained any traction. Nothing happened, right? And then Ulysses Press reached out to me and offered me the opportunity to kind of write this 101 ways to conquer teen anxiety. So on their side, they had already green lit this book idea. They just needed someone to kind of fill in and write it, right? So the marketing component was already there. Okay. So they had done their data. They had kind of put the marketing arms in place, right? So they just need someone to create the content essentially. Exactly. They go, hey, we think this, there's, a, there's a space here for this kind of you know, air quotes product, we, now we need someone to produce it, right? And then I... So obviously, me and JP were, were excited to uh, leap at the chance because we were <laughs> getting a lot of failures up until that point. And I should say too, obviously, I, I had just... Part of my postdoc training, I worked full-time with teens, the teen team that were going through anxiety and substance abuse and other, other areas. So I felt pretty confident clinically kind of talking about this. Do you get any sense of like how Ulysses found you? Like what was their connection to you for them to reach out? They, they weren't, they were reaching out to, if I was working for a pretty, uh, I would say kind of like, well, kind of uh, publicized practice at the time, mo- it was mostly psychiatrists. So I think when they were kind of doing their kind of essentially Google or internet search, like our practice popped up. And then I think because I had the more psychologist background, I was, they kind of presented the idea to, to a few people and at our team meeting and everyone just kind of was like, no. And I was the only one that was like, yes, please. Yeah. And then they were like, here, just take it. <laughs> it's awesome. I mean, it, it's like, we laugh about it, but like, it is so interesting that one, you know, companies Google your name, right? Like this literally happened to me on Twitter two days ago. Somebody that was like, uh, like formerly at Meta, Facebook, whatever that is, right? Saw a thread, yeah, (laughs) saw that a a thread that I had written and used it in one of her like graduate lectures, right? But I was like, how did you even find this? She's like, yeah, you can like find anything on Twitter. I'm like, because there's an advanced search bar on Twitter, right? So it's just, it's fascinating that people search, right? Like, I don't know. And the ways that, you know, we're connected more than we think we are. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, yeah, and for folks that are trying to build their practice or kind of build some sort of a uh, following, it's, yeah, that's definitely an opportunity for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. So you guys like had this amazing opportunity. And so this happens and they're like, okay, gave you the green light. And so practical kind of things. How do you figure out like who does what work? Like, how do you, you know? Like all of these things, right? Yeah. So from the beginning, we had kind of uh, already just kind of loosely talked about, hey, so I'm going to provide like the clinicals perspective. And then for for each chapter, maybe that starts off with that. And you kind of come in with a different voice and kind of provide the the experience or the personal side of it. And that would kind of be a nice kind of one-two combination. And we just kind of had that kind of overarching like idea in our head. So uh, when the time came to actually start producing the, the content, we just kind of sat down. We said, okay, these are our table of content items. That was kind of like day one. And then we just kind of really went from there and just took that, that approach, just kind of banging our heads together and trying to figure it out. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. I mean, it's a good perspective. So 
essentially for the 101 interventions, right? So you would write, you would give 101 of these sort of perspectives and then he would come in with the personal. Is that essentially how it worked out? Yeah. Well, the 101 parts are actually kind of there. We, it's, let's say it's like about 10 chapters in the book. At the, at the end of each chapter, there are 10 kind of bullet points of things you can do. They're not necessarily the theme of every single chapter. Okay. Nice. Yeah. That actually, that's a great way to do it though. Cause then you're not, you know, like, oh my gosh, like that would be like the Tim Ferriss book, like whatever the tools of Titans, right? Like a, a 500 page book, right? So uh, that, this is a way better approach, you know, doing chapters and then giving like, you know, sort of 10 suggestions. Yeah. yeah that just, yeah. And it just, I can honestly just kind of work that way. And thankfully our editor was like, yeah, that sounds great. Let's roll with it. Yeah. So even for you guys, like on a breakdown, did you guys say like, okay, JP, we're going to handle chapter one on this from, you know, for this month? Or was it like that structured or was it more like... Yeah, it really was that structured. In fact, I think we had... uh, I, I wish we had like months. I think we had like two months total to write this. So it was kind of a compressed time, which was, you know, which is fine. But I think we really kind of were, we were almost kind of rough drafting chapters like week by week, really. So yeah, that was, I would just kind of like, so what would happen was maybe at the beginning of the week, Monday through Wednesday, I would kind of write my portion of it, right? For that chapter. I would then, and we were using, we were using Google Docs. We should have been using a more kind of intuitive software. We did not do that. We would just kind of share a doc. <laughs> And then, so he would get it and then he would kind of um, hear what I said and then kind of provide his kind of like creative response to what I, what I wrote for the second half of the week. And then we would kind of be on the week two for your chapter two and kind of move forward like that. Okay. So you guys kind of wrote, but then it was like you said, like rough draft. Cause I would imagine you probably don't even really have time at that point to like edit anything, right? It's kind of just moving, 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 right? It's pretty, yeah, it was pretty fast. And And then we, so we would kind of go, let's say we would get two chapters rough drafted. We would then send that to the editor. They would make their corrections. Then we would kind of follow up with the edits and collaborate with them. And then in the background, kind of be writing the other chapters too. Okay. I want to like take us inside this two months because this sounds absolutely like, it sounds like dissertation on like amped up to the 10th level or something, you know? Yeah. There were, there were definitely a few moments I was like, (laughs) you know, like I'll be happy when it's done. I'll say, you know, thankfully this, it, yeah, there's writing, but there's some sort of like ease or there's an openness when you don't have to like kind of present <laughs> really at, in the same way you do in grad school. So. Yeah. And then I think also the fact that you kind of have this time frame, right? Like this has got to get done in two months, right? And, and it's, you know, hopefully it was more use stress than distress, but you know, sorry, psychologist joke. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's so. I, uh, yeah, I mean, I just, it is really interesting though. Like, you know, I could definitely see like having that time period makes you like motivated. And especially I think those of us that are just like driven, you know, you can compress it and just kind of get it done, you know? Yeah. 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 Just kind of sit, sit at whatever your desk or kitchen table and just kind of write until you fall asleep. (laughs) Uh, were there any moments where you got, where like you wrote, a chapter and JP was like, this is horrible. <laughs> like, like any like significant, like sort of disagreements or did you guys generally were in kind of a flow? 
You know, thankfully, we don't really, we didn't have those type of uh, conflicts or creative complications between he and I. I, I will say like the, if you're kind of, you know, looking for some sort of, um, you know, uh, disagreements more than anything, what happened was the, we wrote our rough drafts in this, in this, my perspective was the first part, his perspective was the second part for each chapter. And then the editor kind of smushed both parts together because they have the alt in the contract we signed with them. They have the ultimate creative control. Right. And uh, I wasn't a fan of that, but there really wasn't too much I can do. So that was kind of the, the moment that I was like, well, this is, this is in the contract and this is the way it's got to go. So we kind of kept moving forward. Related to that, like, and it's like, did you, I imagine when you get these contracts, right, they're usually sort of one-sided, right? Like toward publisher. And so knowing that now, like, what would you, if anything, what would you have done differently? Yeah. Yeah. I probably look, I'll, I'll say this, like our, we had Ulysses press, like they were like very supportive, right. And they were great editing, but the contracts, like you said, are very one-sided in that I, I think I can run the exact numbers off the top of my head, but let's say like JP and I got like 10% each, something like that. And so obviously, you know, the house, the publishing house gets the other 80%. So the, the numbers aren't really great for you as a, especially as a first time author. Moving, if I had to do it again, I think I would go, I would kind of pick up that, that spirit of you know, entrepreneurship and I would go the self-publishing route. Yeah, I'd really give that a shot. Yeah, just because of the, the profit margins and there's tools more available. I guess the biggest trade-off is they kind of handle the, the marketing side of it, right? Primarily, or is that not? For who, the, who do you think handles the marketing? The publishing company? Yeah, they they kind of that wasn't they put that in the contract that for about six months they handle that. But I my experience was it was pretty pretty minimal. And then when I kind of went further into this, that's yeah, I wouldn't ex- yeah. Other people had similar experiences to mine as far as that goes. So I I think really if anything, like you're your best marketer no matter what, whether you have a a contract with a publishing group or or going the self published route. Interesting, right? And I, th- I think you just said that really well. When we when we put our heart and soul into something, right, we're more likely, yeah, like we're we're our best sort of advocates. Um, yeah, that's that's crazy. I I mean, I was thinking like, you know, I, I don't know if you guys did this, but like, I I could understand the other side of this, right? You're in this time crunch. They're like, hey, we got to get this done, right? Then the other part of me was like, should I should bring in like an attorney and to review this contract because? Oh, we did. yeah because i was like because i I could see it like and again i'm not like trying to ill bad mouth or anything like that but i could see it like especially in a time crunch situation like that it being very one-sided and just you're just wanting to move on you know and just sign something that really comes back to to not be advantageous you know Right. Yeah. So, th- I, so I guess I kind of skipped over that part before we kind of signed anything. We did have a, a, a an attorney kind of look over things and kind of say, yeah, this is, and they kind of negotiated back and forth. And then JP and I paid their kind of attorney fees and, you know, it, it they're like, this is as good as it's going to be. Right. Yeah. So with, I, I mean, I think we felt more confident signing it, knowing that we had that kind of third party that really had negotiated on some, some items. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. My final question, Tom, is uh, what do you think was like a big mistake that you made in this whole process of co-authoring? Yeah. Um, 
I like, I would say like the collaboration between me and JP was like, was great. Um, so, uh, you know, there's, I wouldn't call it a, a mistake there. I think if anything, I wish like probably most of us, we look back at certain things. I kind of wish we had had more time or that I had been, you know, splitting my time between work and this. So I wish JP and I had more opportunity to kind of, kind of put our heads together and really try to re-edit. There are things when I look through this now, I'm like, oh man, you know, I wish I had, I had had, you know, kind of rephrased it this way or something like that. So I, yeah, when I think of like, you know, uh, things I wish I had done better, it's really about kind of the, the rewriting I wish I was able to do. Yeah. It makes sense. I mean, like, I feel like my best ideas are when there's incubation time and when you're (laughs) crunched to write a book in two months, you know, there's, can't imagine there's much incubation time, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> not part of the, yeah, in that, in my experience, yeah. But there were, thankfully, sometimes when, you know, you sit in it for a week or two, you go back and you, they, we had some re, re-edits that were pretty useful, I think, thankfully. So That's awesome. Tom, uh, you're doing a lot of awesome stuff. So tell us uh, a little bit about what you're doing over at Good Therapy SF and, uh, and, and the private practice. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, we kind of run a small little group practice called Good Therapy SF. It's uh, located in downtown San Francisco, although we've been doing everything from video since the beginning of of COVID. So um, going into the office sporadically, but thankfully, um, most of our clientele are pretty technology savvy. So the switching to video hasn't been too much of an issue for them. Yeah. And that's a word really thankfully we were able to to help the the population around us um a lot of a lot of anxiety understandably probably what a lot of therapists i've been working with a lot of disconnection from others um probably very similar themes so it's kind of been a common theme out here on the west coast but we're you know we're we're all doing pretty well now thanks thankfully things are starting to change so yeah absolutely uh tom thank you again for doing this and uh i'm just super super grateful for you and super proud of you brother Hey, Melvin, this has been so wonderful. Thank you for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Bye. Hi there. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Tom. And especially if you've been thinking about writing a book and really trying to think about whether to go that traditional publishing versus self-publishing. And actually, more specifically, if you've been thinking about co-authoring a book, I hope that today's podcast session has just been helpful for you. I know that a book is on the horizon in my future, hopefully, and uh, I'm kind of weighing like multiple things. I've I've gone everything from like an entrepreneur productivity book to actually where I'm kind of leaning right now is more of a children's book. And it's just been really helpful to hear sort of helpful to have this conversation with Tom and just to hear the different things to consider. I was thinking about like there were a lot of really good takeaways. And one thing that I just really took away is I was just trying to put myself in Tom and JP's shoes when you have this publishing house coming to you and they're like, we got to get this done in like two months, right? And just the fortitude or the thought to like bring on an attorney to make sure all of that stuff was thought through, as opposed to like going, you know, like sort of the the fear-based brain of like, oh my gosh, if I bring in somebody and I sort of do the, what I need to do to you know, bring in a professional, right, to to cover myself and consider some of the things that I just may not be aware of. I think it's just so cool they did that. And it's something that is a good reminder for me that sometimes, actually, a lot of times you kind of have to go at your own pace. And even if there does feel like there's this, we got to get this done in this amount of time kind of pressure, 
that we can sort of ease and be strategic and intentional through that whole process. Tom's website is again over at goodtherapysf.com. And the book again is 101 Ways to Conquer Teen Anxiety. Have a great rest of your day and I'll see you next time. Bye.